Here we go. Hey there, folks. This is your host, Cameron Ivey of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Oh, man, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Privacy Please Unplugged Edition. I think this is number three, Gabe. It is. We are Man. unplugged for the third for the third time. The third yeah. time. You know, I, it it baffles me that we can be unplugged and still be operating. <laughs> I mean, we used to operate in a purely unplugged mode. That's that's how that's how it was before we got all plugged in. <laughs> that's true. But I was making a corny dad joke that uh, we didn't have any power, and I. We're- I was I was making a, a an equally bad joke <laughs> about a non interconnected world, but yeah, that's two true. Two bad jokes passing in the night. Are we? <laughs> that's why this is plug. By the way, we save all the real jokes, the good ones, <laughs> for the actual plugged episodes. Yeah, yeah, for the guests. For the guests. For the guests. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you're still listening. We do it for the guests. We do it for the thanks. guests. Thanks. Do not do it for the likes. We do it for the love and for the guests. For the passion. For the passion. For the, that's what we do it for. Yeah, the community. That's, that's actually a good and a very unintentional kind of segue into this week's unplugged kind of topic. We we try to make sure that we, we focus and center around at least one or two topics still. And and um, and in this week's unplugged, we wanted to recap our visit to, to a local event. What did we do? We met up in person. In person. We did. We did. That happened. We uh we we attempted to try to get some some uh, snippets from there as well, but it just didn't work out. It was pretty busy, and we were we were, you know, mingling with folks. Um, so we got to get a live live episode going from from one of these next events. So we're gonna reach out to some of you folks. So feel free to reach out to us if mm-hmm. you're at an event and and you happen to know that we're there already. If you want to check to see if we're there. We uh we totally love to do that and record from there. We also a little correspondence reporting. We you know get some folks to record a snippet for us while they're at a at a local event. Um, we'll get you on the show too because unplugged. That's right. We can throw it in anywhere. Doesn't matter. Yeah. No. So what did we do? What did we go? What did we? What were we, we, we we were in Tampa. We went to ta- uh, CyberX in Tampa. Yeah. Um, it was a really fun event. A uh, lot of a lot of people there had a very diverse crowd if i may yeah which is good to see indeed indeed i found out about it through our our friend larry whiteside jr who was was on was on the show he's on he's on one of the past episodes i don't remember the episode number we'll have to look that up we'll we'll plug him again but shout out to larry for um for for reminding us letting us know the event was there larry was actually one of the the panelists at uh at cyber Larry, as some of you know, is a longtime CISO. He's also the co-founder of Cyversity, which is an organization that's focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which, as it turns out, is is what the focus of Tampa X was about. Yeah. I thought it was really, really neat uh, to kind of 
not, but first of all, be in person and it wasn't virtual. So that was really nice. Um, and no, it was seeing not the, the turnout and the kind of just back and forth from the people in the crowd, the speakers. Can we talk about that really quickly? Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical event itself, right? So, like, it was an Ebor City. It was like right on the border of Ebor City yep. in Tampa. So, if if you listen to this and you're, you don't really know the Tampa area, that's okay. It's it's um just know that it is in in a centralized part of Tampa. Uh, and so, I wasn't really sure what to expect, like turnout wise. But we get in there and it was packed. It mm-hmm. was in an outdoor space, this beautiful courtyard in in uh, one of the buildings there, and it was it was literally standing room only by the time we got there, and, and we were we were on time. Um, late if you yeah. the fact that it started um i had trouble finding parking in fact yep. although there was shame on me there was parking right where the event was but like i didn't realize that so i parked like two blocks down and no like parking <laughs> which was just bogus um but it was packed it was it was standing room only um there was some food there was some drink it was a networking event also there was some speakers panelists but yeah from an in-person event it's been a while since i've been to a local event like this that was just so very well attended with a lot of local tampa talent there were folks there from moffitt center the uh some some of their security and compliance folks there were who else was there who else was there oh man um there was a bunch there um they had speakers from um counting them right now let's see there was we had 10 speakers yeah so jason allen from digital hands i remember he was there also i still got to catch up with jason um carrie uh Shkori, I'm going to pronounce her name incorrectly, the CIO at the Office of the Public Defender, 6th Judicial Circuit, and yep. uh, Rolando Torres at Abacode. Um, all made it uh, through. Yeah, Hugh Percy, uh, uh, Suzanne Ricci. That's who it was, Hugh. Hugh, Hugh gave, uh, he had some very insightful things. He's the manager of cybersecurity threat analysis and operations at Moffitt. Um, that's who I was thinking about also. Really, really loved the conversations Hugh, Hugh was having as well, too. That was awesome. Uh, it was very well, well, well attended. So let's see who else was on, on, on the roster. We had Courtney Jackson, the founder and CEO of Paragon Cyber Solutions. Um, Samantha yep. Ramos, um, information security risk manager at Next Tech Systems. And I feel like I'm missing someone else. There was someone else there. And we well, were Larry, of course, we already mentioned him. And then Courtney, did you mention Courtney Jackson? I think I might have mentioned Courtney. And then Charlton, I can't pronounce his last name. So anyway, big, big thanks to all the folks that were there. Suzanne, Courtney, Samantha, Hugh, Charlton, Larry, Jason, Carrie, Rolando. It was, it was a great show. It was hosted by the Inc. Lab. That's where we were at. It was hosted by the Inc. Lab, um, Patriot Town Solutions, a computer coach, coaching IT training, um, sponsored the event as well, too, um, for the food and, and uh, the wine, et cetera. Not a plug, but, look, I really appreciate the support of the local community um, in, in getting getting us all together for these conversations. They were really, really good. Mm-hmm. The uh, So the topics, as I mentioned, were DE&I in particular and cybersecurity. So that panel was with Suzanne and Courtney and Samantha and you. Um, and then there was a black hat tactics that you should know conversation. Um, and that was with Charlton and, and Robert. So, you know, again, it was very, it was a technical conversation as well as some, some more uh, kind of interpersonal topics as they relate to the InfoSec community. Um, and then there was just a larger panel discussion on the state of cybersecurity in Florida. That was the one um, that, that Larry moderated um, also, yep. um, which was a great conversation, right? Like that, there, there is, 
mean, there's so much you can say about the state of cybersecurity in Florida as a state, but I think from our perspective, you and I um, have been in and around that Florida cybersecurity community for some time. It's really beautiful to watch continue to grow and really build. It's always been here. Like I've kind of in my early days, a lot of it was focused in the Miami area because you've always had kind of the cruise ship folks there and full disclosure, the gentleman who I got my start from in InfoSec, he began, he began much of his career with the mouse in technology and security there. And so when you think about cybersecurity in Florida, like the mind used to be drawn very much to the Miami area and all of the cruise ship industry and the mouse right in the heart of it. But, you know, areas like Tampa and and St. Pete have got such amazing cybersecurity talent in and around it these days. Yeah, that's true. Um, Which by the way, it looks like, I think Larry had posted something, but he, uh, he had taken a new position as CISO for another company, right? RegScale? He did. He did. Do you compl- know anything about that company at all? I can't say I know a whole lot. Um, we'd, have to, we'd have to ping Larry. As I understand it, they help organizations with compliance. Um, I believe they help them do so through you know, the, the, the actual uh, the governance process of compliance, the GRC, right? Like the, the, the overall tracking of their programs and enhancing of it. But I don't want to misspeak there. Um, We'll tag Larry in this unplugged episode and get him to weigh in on that one. Yeah, and then we're, we're we've also had conversations in person and uh, via LinkedIn with Samantha, who was one of the guest speakers. We're going to have her on the show. That's um, right. And then I think I think it'd also be worth looking at um, a few others on here that that would uh, like to come on as well. Yeah, yeah, we should totally do that. You, you, know um, you actually, yep. you mm. sounded like you knew who. Um, was it, is it Carrie? Uh, or Carrie or? Uh, yeah. We met a number of those folks that he, I met a number of those folks that even for the first time. So I don't, I don't know them intimately, but consider this episode, a public call casting call to, to the folks that were, were in, 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 uh, in attendance at Tampa X. We'd love to have them on. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to have Carrie if that's how you say her name, the CIO for the office of the public defender, that would be. So Carrie, if you're listening, we're going to, we're, we're going to reach yeah. out. We're, we're going to get you on the show. We, we, hey, you get, you get there. your people. We get our people. You know, we just, we make that happen. We'll make the thing happen. Hey, Florida state of cybersecurity. Let's let's, cause it's worth mentioning. No before our buddy, James McQuiggan, shout out to mm-hmm. James McQuiggan. Congratulations to the No Before team. They were yes. recently acquired for a whopping $4.6 billion from Vista Equity Partners. Um, Clearwater, right? Another another cy- massive cybersecurity organization in the Florida area. I, look, I know for folks around the rest of the country, you may, you may hear Florida, you may you may have some pre predisposed notions of what those things may be. <laughs> I died in the wool New Yorker. Um, I'm here to tell you that I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but I'll tell you this. <laughs> if you're looking, if, if you want to, to, to find an environment of, of like really good cybersecurity um, talent, as well as just a, a, a uh, an ecosystem of folks, like I'll tell you the, the that, that the, the whole Tampa St. Pete Clearwater area really has it going on more so than I think people realize way more so than I think people realize. Yeah. And it's only growing, right? And you've seen that since you've been here, which is great. <laughs> Um, not like ReliaQuest, who's right here in our backyard also, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. 
an organization like ReliQuest, they they also have significant backings by by their folks too. They went a few years ago and they bought out ThreatCare, right? ThreatCare was another cybersecurity company. They were originally based out of Austin. Shout out to Marcus Carey, one of my old homies there who started that company. And so like you see ReliQuest, this massive cybersecurity MSSP, just kind of growing, doing their own thing there too. Align, uh, more in this yep. compliance space, right? Like, you know, they're... I, Needless to go without say, Spirian, obviously, right? Experian has is, is been a pillar in the cybersecurity community since I relocated that company down with the organization a few years back down into this area. Um, you have my own organization, um, Myota. Um, you know, we've got, we've got, uh, shameless plugs, shameless plugs, centralized <laughs> here also. But like, but what I'm getting at though is like, I don't think a lot of people know or think about that. I certainly wouldn't know that if I weren't right here in this environment, right? Like, so, uh, Anyway, so Tampa X, that's, that's how we all started there. Yeah, so all the folks, that, so all the companies and things that we were just talking about was well represented by everyone at Tampa X. It was, it's, um, it, it's the second year now that the show, uh, the show that the, this networking event has been put on. And, uh, and as a post COVID event, as I'll call it that, you know, only being in its second year, it's, I think it brought a lot of value to the community. Okay. All right, all right, all right, calm down. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> uh, um, all right, so back to uh, CyberX Tampa. Uh, the the episode, or not the episode, the, the, the event that we went to, um, I'm not sure if all their events are like this, but um, it, was, it was solely really, really focused on diversity. Um, at least the, the the panel and the conversations that we were experiencing, which is really refreshing to hear and just nice to see that there was a very diverse crowd as well. And um, I don't know, there was a lot to kind of take in there. Um, hard for me. It, it's it's interesting coming from a, a white man um, taking that in and just kind of experiencing uh, just everybody's input that, you know, it's just, I can't even imagine. Um, well, you you weren't alone in the in the white male part. There were there were a number of other white males. Sure. I think I think for me, because I agree with you on that, it is rare for me to 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 not be in the minority of some demographic in many different rooms, right? Um, but it was really it was really welcoming to see the number of women and women leaders that were mm -hmm. also there represented by Southeast Asians, Caucasians, yeah. African Americans. Like it was, I mean, when we, like, I know D, E and I gets thrown around all over the place and, and some people, some people tighten up when they hear it and, and others loosen up quite a bit more, but the reality hit the road in what was a local community event simply being represented by the local community. Like it was, it were all, all the people were there. Like if you walked into the local publics and looked around, or maybe not the public's bad at me, but you get where Because <laughs> that one guy who always hangs around the soda aisle. Like, I don't know what that guy's up to. But anyway, he wasn't at the event. <laughs> he's waiting. He's waiting for his. He's waiting for his chicken tenders he's waiting at, for the, his, uh, uh, at the at the deli. That's what happened. Yeah, 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 I don't, yeah. I don't mess with the tenders or the sodas. I just <laughs> through. so that that explains that. But no, you're right. So, <laughs> but you're right. There were two panels in particular. One was focused on black hat tactics. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. There were three panels. One was the Black Hack Tactics. One was the State of Cybersecurity. But the opening one, the lead-in one, was the DE&I panel. Um, right. 
And I think that was a good lean in to the night because if you looked around the audience, you you would have you would have been hard pressed to have not noticed its diversity if you've been in technology for more than twenty four hours, right? Like, right. It, it, you would have been very hard pressed to have not noticed that. I think it was. I, I think it was interesting, but but yes, definitely more of your experience there too. What 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 else did you take away from from the event? Uh, it seemed like. It, you just mean in the the, the topic that they were sense. talking about, or just just in a big general sense? Um, I just thought it was really insightful to just hear from all different types of people. Um, yeah, because that's what honestly that's what really infa- fascinates me about our show, and one of the reasons we've kind of grown into having different um, different people on. Because I think I think it is amazing to think about security privacy as a whole and how that's grown over the last few years and the people that we have on and their backgrounds and how different everybody is. So very different. Yeah. And I thought, I think Hugh made a good point. Um, I think he's the one that said it, but, and it's so true. Like if, if the, the, the people that are on attack, um, the people that I believe he said that are on offense, have such a diverse background and, and stealing information. Why, why are we so lacking in the defense of that? Um, and not so diverse remember that statement also. Yeah. That was, that's what really stood out to me. I like almost that. Certain it was, it was Hugh. I'm almost certain it was Hugh. Yeah. Moffat who said that I re- cause it stood out in my mind too. And, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, I know some folks might hear that and, and think to themselves, well, how does do, well do the are the attackers even diversified in that sense? And and I can tell you, the answer to that is, is a thousand percent yes. Um, we, right. we should totally get into another episode where we talk about like the 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 um the networks of of the black hat networks that exist yeah. and how those networks exist across country boundaries and language boundaries and everything else. If you look at some of even the the unsophisticated ransomware attacks all the way up to the super sophisticated crypto attacks. You're talking about a supply chain of diverse folks on the ground and across the world from languages to perspectives to race and color. He, he makes a great point. So so if you're sitting in your security operations or you're sitting around your security team and they and they may not have the diversity of thought, much less the other diversities that, that that are necessary to understand you know human behaviors and you're trying to defend yeah i can see how that becomes a freaking challenge like i had yeah. not thought of it through that lens but he's but but i know he's right think about today's modern ransomware um go to market strategy right like an affiliate strategy where you have these low level affiliates that are deploying the base um you know just automated ransom technology a lot of that stuff actually doesn't come out of what some people associate with ransomware, namely Eastern Europe, right? Or China or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is still where the affiliate models roll up to. And a lot of the ransomware gangs then take over and perform the negotiation, the data extraction, the ransom negotiation. But the affiliate model has pushed a lot of the automated and the ground with the non-human operated portion of it into other countries. Yep. So you see a phishing email that comes from someone from another country, like one of those, one of those tactics that like even one of those tactics that we always learned in, in detecting fish attacks was, you know, a lot of them were from non-native speakers. So see if you can detect those types of like grammatical errors. Well, bad news is English speakers also make a lot of bad grammatical errors, but the attackers have also learned 
they've also learned, you know what? I can use Grammarly or I can employ someone through one of my black hat networks out of Ohio to generate said phishing email, right? So again, they figured out that diversity is to their benefit. Oh God, can we go back to Grammarly real quick? <laughs> can we can we go back to that real quick since you, you I mean, brought like it's it up? an unplugged episode. We can go wherever we want. <laughs> well, if anybody's not aware of this, and I'm sure Gabe is, but Grammarly is something that you should probably not be using. It can be helpful, but it also has to read all of your data and it stores it. It doesn't that like there's no privacy involved there. They have access to everything that you're typing and seeing and all that kind of stuff. I think we should do the following. Um, I don't want to give my personal opinion on Grammarly too heavily. I'm inclined to agree, though, that I do not, generally speaking, love any technology that just reads everything I type. Right. Like, right. and I know someone might say, oh, Microsoft Word does that. And it, you know, it checks it. And, oh, sure, 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 sure. And, you know, we, we, we all remember the struggles we had with Gmail coming up when Gmail did a lot of, of reading of the way. Like, so I'm with you. I, I'd yeah. love to invite someone from Grambling on our regular episode. Yeah, so, I'm not bashing someone, it. No, no, same, same. Someone I want to learn a little bit more. Department, I'd love for you to tell us why not just Grammarly, but technologies that help enable us to be better at what we do, but that require that level of visibility into, into us. Right. Like, how do you, how do you balance those things? Right. How do you balance That's a challenge. Like that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we level that challenge to one of the folks at Grammarly um, or anyone else for that matter. Anyone else? Yeah, we're going to, sorry, we're, we're going to tag them in the show and see if we can bring one on because that would be an interesting conversation to learn more about how they go about that if they're up uh, uh, open to it. It is an amazing tool though. And I'll tell you for anyone who it is yeah. first language, man, that privacy trade-off might be something that they need to consider. If English mm -hmm. is their first language, they're trying to get ahead. If English is your first language, trust me, it's not because it's bad and English is English. You <laughs> might still want something like a Grammarly. Um, you might get old school like some of us and just keep like a little grammar book next to your desk, but no one does that. Who does that anymore? Hopefully no one does who that. Who does that? Probably, probably Joe Schmoe's still got his Rolodex right in front of him. Oh, that That's who has it. We know who you are. We know who you are. We, yeah, know, we know. We're calling you out. Calling it's you okay. Out. Diversity. Like, the ransomware attackers figured it out. I should stop writing English emails because I'm poor at it. I will get someone who can. I will. I realize that the female members of that team actually get higher open rates. They, why? Maybe they write more empathetically, whatever it is, they've, they've learned a lot of things and they've yeah. learned, they've learned that, that from a diversity and equity inclusion perspective, they don't have a problem because they don't, they simply don't practice it in any anti way that requires it to be corrected for in some other way. Right. They have one, they have one mission, attack your data. Mm -hmm. That's their mission. Yeah. Attack your data. That's it. I want to get your take on something. Now I was thinking about this as as people were asking questions and bringing up things about how do we, how do we make things better with uh, bringing in more diverse people and organizations? And sometimes people look at, you know, you can obviously point the finger at, at higher ups that uh, maybe are super old school, but at the same time, there's a lot of different variables that come into play with, with hiring people and the amount of talent that you have. I know that the topic came up about like talent pool and the, the what, you know, there's only a limited, space of the people that we can actually choose from. And unfortunately, a lot of that isn't diverse. Um, so I think it obviously there's things that that can get better. And Larry mentioned, you know, you, you have to be you have to have people that actually take action instead of asking, what do we do? 
mm-hmm. um, which I agree with. And I think it also starts with like our youth. I think that bringing, obviously bringing security and privacy into schools and teaching kids the, how important it is, especially nowadays. I'm sure that there are prog- programs that do that, but I think it should definitely be something that should be installed in every um, like elementary or even high school because kids should, women, um, black women, men of all different races, all different, whatever, should be interested in, in knowing that this type of path or career is super, exists. super rewarding. That, that, yeah, yeah. And uh, they should be excited about that kind of stuff, just like any other interest. Um, so I don't know how they do that nowadays. I'm not sure you have, you have someone that uh, in his early teens that I, I'm not sure if they teach that kind of stuff or if they even bring that kind of stuff up, but that would be interesting. It, it, differs, um, it differs all across the country. Yeah. Um, from, you know, school district to school district, state to state. And I, and I agree. I'd like to see it ubiquitous across across the, uh, the, the spectrum. And there's a lot of folks working on that, I think. Um, it's certainly not a thing I get to work on from an education perspective. But uh, from a mentoring perspective, yes, yes. There's, yeah. there, there are a couple of, of, of young, young men, two particular below the age of 20 that I speak to. Um, where I, I try to, to bring exactly that perspective, like those paths are simply available. Part of it is literally just a not knowing those paths are available. That is true just across, true. Socioeconomic, just across the socioeconomic spectrum, just across the, the, the lower ends of the socioeconomic spectrum where access to education is already difficult. That becomes a very true thing. The thing I try to do um, from, from someone who is in a hiring position, I very, very, very often try to to solve for problems that we have as a business by looking at what someone can do versus what they have done. And so a good example of that is I hired a gentleman once. Um, I won't mention his name, just, you know, out of respect and privacy. Um, but I hired him and he used to be, he was, he was a mechanical engineer. Like he went to school for that. And mm-hmm. his very first job out of, uh, out of school was um, a robotics engineer. And I hired him to be a, a, uh, a security researcher. Why? Why would I hire a robotics engineer to be security research? Well, he already had a lot of the knowledge, tooling, and process understanding of automation and software to do some of the things that we were interested in doing. He also understood some of the baseline security elements to it. So yeah. I could have went and found someone that had more of a security background. But for me, teaching someone all of the the ins and outs of the cloud and automation would have been a hell of a lot more difficult. And I think actually something that is a lot easier to approach on their own than helping them navigate this one corner of InfoSec. We used to do yeah. this also like at White Hat Security, right? Like we would hire um, folks outside of industry, um, literally from from line cooks to, to guys working at Midas. And I don't say that to belittle any of those positions, but folks that did not know that these paths were available to them and through a structured process, take them through teaching them how to become web application hackers. I could tag mm-hmm. five of them on LinkedIn right now who have who are ridiculously successful on their own because they knew those paths were available. And it was those unorthodox hiring practices of, does this person have the acumen for this position? Now, again, these were largely entry-level positions. So, you know, you have the luxury as a hiring manager to do those types of things, but that's where it begins. Instead of asking for, you know, 10 years of Kubernetes experience when it hasn't been around that long, we should be looking for what type of adjacent experiences can we use to bring into the industry? We do not Mm -hmm. have negative unemployment rate in InfoSec. We have a hiring problem. We have a tooling problem. We have a tooling problem. Those are the problems we have. 
It's it's a combination of both too. And as I think about it, it's it's almost like the people that are in hiring positions also need to think outside the box rather than just thinking, well, this is the only pool I have to choose from. Well, then go somewhere else and find more talent. It's yeah. not always about, oh, this person has eight years of uh, this schooling and all that kind of stuff. Find somebody that like, it also comes down to like being lazy too. like find somebody if you you're going to have to teach, you're going to have to be a leader you're have to put in some that's right. Yeah, you can't. I know that I know that nobody wants to hire a project. But at the same time, if we want to make change, that's kind of what you have to do to mix it up and bring in people that aren't necessarily who, who amongst us hasn't hired a project anyway. Right. Like if true. <laughs> I, right. But your point is the most valid one, which is you, you, we shouldn't be looking at it as a project. We should we should be coaching all of our talent anyway at all levels, right? So right. you should be hiring coachable folks and, mm-hmm. and definitely um, looking outside of that. Now, I, I will – for folks looking at some advice on how to do this practically, I would suggest leveraging your network because yeah. there's other unknowns that you can't control for, which is usually why people say, like, I want 10 years of experience. They're trying to control for an unknown there, right? Like, I want right. to know that they already can do – well, if you leverage your network, you can control for some of those unknowns. That same individual that I mentioned, I was introduced to him through someone else that I knew, very trusted in my network. In fact, you know, my co-founder of Abductive Reason, right? And so right. through that, through through that knowledge, through that network, I had already a- accounted for some of the other things you might want to try and account for by app- by looking for applicants with you know X number of years of experience. But again, that requires putting in some work, working your network getting to an understanding of what your genuine needs are and how that person can help you fill them versus just, you know, well, I have this tool, so I need a person to manage this tool. Well, I have this right. process, so I need this person to run this process. We should be looking at, I have these outcomes I'm trying to get to, and I'm trying to find people that can help me get to those outcomes. Yeah. I think it really does. It always stems from the top always. and trickles always down. Always. It just, that's a good point. Um, we're, we're running long on an unplug. Yeah, yeah. Let's unplug it. Yeah, this is great. Um, I, I love conversations like this. And, and anyone listening that actually went to the event, because um, we're going to tag a lot of people and please share. And if you know anybody that wants to come on and actually talk about any of this stuff, we would love to have uh, anyone on that uh, wants to spread the word. And I mean, it's all about, um, you know, getting getting this kind of thing out in the in the wild and in the network. That's the only way that you will make change and just make people more aware. So. Love this kind of stuff. Cool, Gabe. All right, man. We out. We out. See y'all next week. Hey, you guys made it all the way to the end. Thanks for listening. Again, if this is your first time, we really appreciate the support and everyone that's always been around since the beginning. We love you guys. Keep supporting privacy, please. And we'll always have new content each and every week. Cameron Ivy, over and out. Mm-hmm.